Hey friends, and welcome to a very special throwback episode of the Lucky Few Podcast. It's me, Mercedes. Hello. For the next four weeks, we are re-releasing some of our favorite episodes from this year, starting with a conversation about race, disability, and the experiences of Black women raising children with Down syndrome. This is a replay of episode 148 from February of 2022 titled Diversity in the Down Syndrome Community. Thanks for joining us, friends. Welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. Okay, ladies, I'm so excited to have this conversation out in the world. Yay. We are going to be finally sharing my conversation that I had with some ladies at the DSDN, and I'm so excited about it. Me too. I'm pumped for this. It was so fun being at the DSDN with you, with you three, two, three of us. This is the Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network. They have a retreat every fall that's called the Rockin' Moms Retreat. Isn't that fun? <laughs> It was fun. And Val, and we got to all share a room together. It's like a big slumber party. Just slumber party all the time. Slumber <laughs> party all and the then, time. And then we found out that I snore. I kn- I kind of <laughs> knew, but then it was confirmed by Heather. I love that we you found guys, out. I, know, I know, Mercedes. <laughs> the Mercedes like, sometimes I'm a like really light snorer. And I'm like, oh, I'm a light sleeper. <laughs> so let's share I'm like room. a super light sleeper. We figured it out though. <laughs> it's confirmed. <Yeah>. I snore. <laughs> it's confirmed. And it was kind of, there was some wild stuff happening that weekend. So we don't have to relive that. Oh my God. <laughs> but some really great things too, including the interview, the, in, the interviews that we're going to get to get to hear here, here, here. Yeah. Yay. And it continues to be Black History Month. It sure does. <laughs> and that's what what we're here for. It's really loud. <laughs> and, but I get to sit down with a group of ladies, a part of the Black families community. And we just kind of, um, I asked them some tough questions and they are vulnerable and speak to their experiences and their thoughts. And it's really beautiful. And I just hope that all you listeners who come here and listen, just can have an open heart to receive the things that your fellow mamas, cause we are all moms in this community are saying and, and how they're sharing it and how you can go back within your community and help enhance the voices of our black and brown community within the down syndrome space and also see for yourself how you feel and how you think about things. I don't know how to say that, but yeah, you know, self-reflect and then also continue to be advocates. Cause when we advocate for those with down syndrome, there's another notch for advocating for those who have black and brown skin and have down syndrome. Yep. Okay. That's it. Here we go.
Okay, so I get to be here. Hi, Lucky Few family. I get to be here with some ladies from the Black Families DSDN group. And I just thought it would be neat to highlight the importance of this group and the space that the DSDN intentionally created to help make black families um, feel invited, included, feel like they're wanted in this space and um, seen. And I just hope that that their example is a great example for other organizations within the Down syndrome community and other communities. So my question, ladies, is, I guess, what has being a part of this group meant to you? And do you think you would have joined a group, joined DSDN, sought Down syndrome community if it wasn't for this group? Hi, so I'm Crystal, and I did join um, my birth groups and stuff before I joined the Black Families um, Down Syndrome group. However, I know that that's where I spend the majority of my time. Um, I am a moderator of the group, but just I know when we got our positive NIPT test, the first thing I Googled was Black children who have Down syndrome because um, I didn't remember seeing any black children except for the young man who's the one born this way mm-hmm. it was the only one I had ever seen yes and so I was like what is my baby gonna look like you know let me see is there any informational research and I remember the children I did see appeared to be biracial which was fine but like there was just not lots of representation and I was like okay it was important for me um, as a black person to find community somewhere because I know that while we have similarities in that we have children with Down syndrome, there are just differences that we as African-Americans, we experience our own commonalities amongst our culture and stuff. And so um, I'm grateful that we have this space. And I know that there are other spaces, um, but you have to do so much searching and looking for them. But I'm grateful for the few spaces that there are that we have. But I think it would be wonderful for there to be more because um, not everybody's going to do the digging it takes to find that. And you know, a simple Google search didn't lead me to that, but it would be great if one day there was that for us. Um, hi, my name is Brandy Coleman, mother to Bellamy. We call her Tiny Treasure. And yes, yeah, she's our little treasure. And uh, so I was, I believe I was part of the Black Families Group first. And that was because in Arizona, we're, we have a 4% population of Black people total. And so... Um, again, I'm looking for people that look like me, say, share a lot of same cultural values and similarities, um, and also didn't see others um, with children that had Down syndrome. And I thought, well, this, this can't possibly be, um, just knowing what I knew. And so I, too, went on the search and found, found the group first. And it was just so important that I could connect and have you know, similarities um, in, in other places where I'm usually the minority. Um, and it was important for me as far as even things like doing hair, um, you know, especially if there's sensory issues or, you know, what are other families doing when that may not be an issue in my birth group. Um, so I actually just joined my birth group like 
right before the retreat, I was like, oh, birth group. I had no idea. So that was nice to be there with with children that are within the same age range. But it was more important to me because of where we're at to have those connections and have that safe place, especially when everything happened with George Floyd. That really, to me, just kind of turned things. I mean, for for lots of brown and black people that turned things, but that really hit to me. And I went to our local board and said, we're just not doing enough to reach our brown and black families. And I have made it my mission now to, to pick the brains of everybody that I meet so that we can meet those, so we can meet those needs of what's going on in Arizona and using their resources, using other states' resources and um, making sure that we're taking all of the good and kind of mixing it in and making what works. So that's, I pick a lot of brains. I ask lots of questions and, but we also have a lot of fun. So, yes. Hi, the Lucky Few podcast. This is Kelly Kaufman. I am the director of the Black Families Down Syndrome Group. I would like to say that I have noticed a lot of the families that are joining are gaining a confidence and more knowledge and are going back to their smaller communities and are using their voices. I feel like this is kind of like a platform for some um, to gain and share information. And it just fills my heart that a lot of moms and dads belong in the group have shared that they really appreciate the space and they feel comfortable in the space and can ask questions and can share and feel like people are actually seeing them. Um, Many times, you know, when we're in the larger groups, we really stand out as the minority. And although um, we are in our birth groups and the other 50 plus subgroups that DSDN has, it's like no place like home, you know, it's just, a sweet spot for everyone. Um, And I am just really happy that I see a lot of moms going back to their communities um, and speaking up and sharing that they would like to have a space similar, you know, close to them and at their um, location of where they live. So I'm really proud of where the group is going. I see bigger and better things. We're almost um, at 1K. So We've really been growing. Um, And then I think DSDN serves about 17K families. So I know that there are more families out there. So if you're listening, join us on Facebook. Okay, I'm Ashley. Um, My son is Zaire, he's four. And I actually was in my birth group first before this group, which um, I had been in the birth group for probably two years and then the DSDN Black Families came along, and we got a birth diagnosis, so it was kind of a surprise. I didn't see very many kids that were Black that had Down syndrome, so it was like, oh, we get Down syndrome too. Like, I mean, you know you know it, but it's just like you don't ever see it. Yes. Yeah, so it was like, okay. So just um, being in the birth groups, there's a few of us, but this one really helped us a lot. Even my husband, because he was like, oh my gosh, he's not going to do this or he's not going to do that. And then we joined the page and was like, oh, these kids are doing all this and doing all the different things. So he was like more at ease. So it, it helped a lot with that. And it was just nice to have other families that looked like my son. And he's not the only one out there. And it just, I mean, it helped us to realize what our kids can do. I mean, you know, we can do it, but it's just 
you know, people look at our kids like, you know, what's wrong with him or, you know. But, I mean, this group has helped helped us a lot parenting-wise also because we see the different things that other parents are doing as well. So it kind of put into perspective that um, he's fine. He'll be able to do this. He can do that. We just don't limit him. Don't, you know, things like that. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was just nice to join and have this group. Hi, my name is Shelby. Um, and I was in a DSDN birth group for about two and a half years before the Black Families Down Syndrome Network was founded. Um, and as a mother um, of a biracial child, as a white mother, I wasn't certain that I would belong. Um, but the children in this group look a lot like my son, which was welcoming in the DSDN um, Black Families was very welcoming to have me there. So um, it was really important to me to be able to find people or individuals that looked like my son, because as being a minority and then being a white person myself, we don't look a lot alike. So um, I find that I don't really fit in in a lot of places, but the DSDN Black Families has been very welcoming um, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And you know, finding help with hair and things like that because our hair textures are far different, um, but, you know, behavioral and finding out medical needs that are different um, that they are in, in black families, that they are in white families. And um, I'm forever grateful for the, the open space that um, the black families has created to be able to go in there and just feel at home and that you're not judged no matter what you do or what you ask. And um, again, being a white person has has made it a little bit different having a child that's that doesn't look like me, but I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I'm so thankful that Kelly and the team have created a safe space for so many. Thanks, ladies. I guess my last question or last thoughts that I want to throw out there that I'd love to get your perspective on is, I guess this is a big one too, and I've, I've talked to Kelly about this, is why do you think there needs to be the need for organizations to actively invite black families. Do you know what I mean? Like kind of intentional invitation. Yeah. Who wants to take on that question? It's a big one kind of, but okay. This is Ashley again. Um, I think seeing it and well, actually living it, living it. And then you thinking you're the only one that's going through it but then find out, oh, there's others that are just like me. That um, that really helped me. I mean, it didn't matter that I had Down syndrome, but it was just like, okay, who am I going to talk to when I had a question? Or, you know, there's other people out there, but being African-American and having another African-American input on that, that helped out tremendously. Like, it's just nice to be included. Um, just like we like for our kids to be included in general education. It's something as simple as that. I just think representation matters. Yeah, when you see, just seeing that there's more of us um, being able to come together and do things like the retreat and being with other moms. And even if you have like small small groups in your town or whatnot to hang with or whatever. But yeah. I mean, I just think it's important for our kids to see it as well, yeah. that they're not just the only one with Down syndrome or you know, you're not the only one. You're not by yourself. So hi, this is Crystal again. And I think it's important for organizations to create space for um, African-Americans, black folks, is because um, we're here. We're not going anywhere. Um, we've got networks outside of, you know, 
this community that can help and assist in that. Like we've got buying power. We've got, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, we can bring so much to these organizations if just given an opportunity and just the door opening, you know, for space. I think um, of my local organization, Love It A Tons. We are one of few families I've seen um, out and about, but, you know, I told um, the group, we raised $3,000 in like a weekend for our buddy walk because we like, we, we got to be number one, so let's do what we got to do, you know. And because of the networks and the community and stuff I have, and they were just so glad to support, you know, my son in that. And so it's like, we we have something to bring. Just give us the opportunity to bring it to you. But we need you to, we need the invite. We need the invite to do that. And oftentimes we, we don't know. I think sometimes, speaking personally, I have a cousin who was, um, who's deaf mute and has several palsy and she was never treated any differently. It was just like, this is who she is and we just keep it moving. She never does anything different. And so I think a lot of times, do I know what I'm talking about? The African-American community, um, we just take it on. That's just our culture is like, we're not going to treat you no different. We're not going to do anything different. Um, but we still need the support, you know, and yeah, we just, we have a lot to give and offer. We just, you know, want it to be open and know. Yeah. And if we know, you know, we'll be there. But I think lots of times in our community, we don't know. It's like, because we may be the only ones, right? Or there's probably more, right? Gotta be. Somewhere. If you're listening, you know, we're here, right? It's a grassroots. It really is. I work in hospital and we get parents that, I don't know if they're ashamed. Oh, I don't know if they're ashamed, but it's more of, oh, my kid has Down syndrome. And... You know, what am I going to do or what what can he do? Or And then there's kind of a disconnect between them and the baby. They start, when they start interacting with the groups, they're like, oh, okay, you know, I'm kind of getting a little bit better about him having Down syndrome or the diagnosis or whatnot. Right. So it's more about knowing about it and having support. Yeah. I think the support is a big thing because yeah. some people just leave their kid. And it's like, oh, okay, so now you have this baby. Yeah. So it's it's all about support. Yeah. I think other organizations should provide a space because in the Down syndrome community, we fight so much and we use the word advocacy. And we all know that our children are counted out. So sometimes I just sit back and wonder, do they ever think about how our black and brown children have so many other layers besides Down syndrome? You know, um, I do think sometimes organizations are a little weary of the conversations that may come up and they may not know how to handle those things. So they kind of just avoid it and they say we're inclusive when they really are not. And, you know, providing a space for black and brown, um, we have a Spanish speaking group, we have a dad group, providing those spaces makes you even more inclusive. It provides a platform for that group to have conversations and bring it back to a larger group. I just feel like if you're not being, what's the word I want to use? Reflective. And you cannot, you know, ask your organization those hard questions, um, then it's like, who are you really serving? You're missing out on such a large population of people that could, like Crystal say, bring a lot to your organization. 
you know, we're not, what's the word, like monolithic, you know, we are all so different. We all can bring something to the table. I think organizations need to check themselves, you know, and that's where the change really can start. I really feel like it starts at the head of the organization, being not afraid to ask questions, not afraid to say things, not afraid to apologize, not afraid to unintentionally offend. But when you're looking out for everyone, then your organization will just, you know, naturally be inclusive. So um, I love to see more organizations provide spaces um, for black and brown families, for sure. So, I, Kelly, I definitely agree. And I, um, when I arrived and had my first dinner here this weekend, I was sitting at the table and I was sitting with another mom. And we were kind of talking and I said, you know, I'm, I'm really here. Yes, because I need a break from my seven kids. But I'm really here <laughs> because I need to learn from these other moms. And I am really here to learn from my other black and brown moms. And so I was having this conversation with her and she happened to be white and she said, wow, I just didn't know. And not only do we feel that on a daily basis, being a minority, that people just don't know what we go through based on the color of our skin, based on walking into a room, based on being pulled over by the police, based on, and then you add a disability to that. It, there are things that you just don't realize. We, sometimes I think our families are already in the trenches. You know, we're already trying to climb out. We're trying to figure those things out. And then we, you know, we get an extra chromosome and we're like, whoa, wait, what? Blah. And in all reality, it, a lot of times, I, I think you said this, Crystal, we just pick up and we go. That's all we know. You know, that's all we know. But it doesn't have to be. And like Kelly said, having those conversations and, and being okay to make mistakes and say things, but saying, okay, I made a mistake, but how do I correct it? How do I be better? How do I better serve everyone? Right. And when I, I was having that discussion with her and I said, you know, people tend to go places where they look like other people. And she just stopped. Her eyes got so big. And she said, we only have white people on our board. And we don't, and we don't. Yeah. And she said, and we don't have a huge brown and black population. And I said, because, and this is, again, generally speaking, not every black and brown person, but in general, I'm going to go somewhere where I look like other people, where I can try to relate to other people. And if I don't have that within your organization, I'm going to go where I can find it, or I'm just not going to go at all, because it's just better off that way. So really what Kelly was saying as an organization, having those hard questions Asking them and being okay to fall on your face and say, I messed up. How do I fix it? How do I make it better? And, and give that support um, is, the, is the best thing, you know, possible. And, and just even if I just touch that one mom here and she goes back to her board and says, we got to fix it. You know, we need, a, we need to have representation. Again, representation matters, I think. And it's not just for you know, with disabilities, it's for looking around and seeing people that look like you, that you feel like you can, hey, I'm having this issue and it's okay to be vulnerable because we, as black and brown people, we're not allowed to be vulnerable, you know, right, right. So, so having that, um, I think is key. So having these, you know, 
these types of events, but also having the small breakout groups, just so important, you know, and it, and it feeds our souls, I think, for me anyway. Yeah, we have had, yeah. We're, we're not ready. We're not coming home, anyone. <laughs> honey, honey, can you hear this? I'm not coming home. <laughs> not coming home. I just could sit here and talk all day about this because I want it, Paige. I want this because we, as moms who are claim, naming and claiming that we're advocates, right, and for the Down syndrome community, we just want the community to be represented as a whole. And so, I don't know, this is just an encouragement for any organization out there listening that there needs to be created space that intentionally seeks out black and brown families. And because of that and filling that need, your organization's going to thrive. Like, don't be scared to dive into that conversation to make that space to even look at your board, look at your leaders and create space for diverse leaders. And even if that means saying no to a mom that's already been there and seeking out another mom or I don't know, I know it gets tricky, but I encourage it because when we fully include, I think that's when change is going to happen for the good, you know, so organically it's going to be beautiful thank you ladies for talking with me and for sharing with the lucky few podcasts okay everyone how'd you feel how'd you look how'd you feel I feel grateful. I feel so grateful for people sharing and being vulnerable. And I feel grateful, Mercedes, to have you as my in IRL friend outside <laughs> the podcast as a host on this podcast that you share your experiences with us and we get to learn from you. I feel so thankful. I think it's in the Down syndrome space. There's so much talk about advocacy as there should be. It goes hand in hand and how important it is as a white person raising a child with down syndrome, who is white, that our experience, our lived experience is different. And to have some understanding about the experience of our friends in the down syndrome space, other families, um, families of color, black and brown mamas, it's just different. And we need to be listening to that and helping to advocate in those spaces as well. So I really appreciate, I appreciate everyone's sharing. Um, one thing that I loved was there was a mama who is Latina and I loved what she brought awareness to me in our conversation when talking about like, when we create spaces for moms to gather it is so in our Western culture and it's not bad because it's how I like to gather too. to put on a conference, go and, and, you know, it's, it's lively, but you know, the tickets expensive, it feels kind of fancy, you know, there's more to it than just showing up and listening. 
there's like a look to it. Right. And there's a feel to it and connection for sure happens in those places. Um, but certain places attract and welcome only certain people, you know, and how she talked about like in her culture and her community, it's real grassroots. So it's just meeting up at the park and setting up for the day and there's just food and it's, it's low key. The whole family comes and, and I just, I, I love that because sometimes when we, when we're seeking connection, it really happens at the grassroots of things, right? When we make it so accessible for everyone. And to be honest, like a Spanish speaking person, especially if it's their first language wants to see, a another Spanish speaking person inviting them to these things invite, they want to see also because that's language to them, right? Like, are they going to fully understand, is this going to be accessible to them at this event? You know, like, I don't know. It just opens. It was then again, another layer as I even continue my journey of advocacy. And of course I think about speech stuff when it comes to sunflower, you know, and then I'm like, wow, but what about a whole nother language as well? You know, and if I'm ever in a position again, to bring together moms or families, I'm going to want someone on my team who speaks Spanish. I'm going to want as many languages represented on my team. And I feel like that's from this conversation. I hope people in positions of um, power to bring people together, to create resources that you are equipping your team with as many diverse moms. And maybe that's going to take some legwork on your part, but as many families as you can reach as possible is ultimately what's going to change our community and change our world for our own children and for the better in general. So I just loved this conversation because even for me, I took away that of like, wow. And the Spanish speaking community, um, and down syndrome is gigantic. Like there are certain like people groups, if you want to say that down syndrome is more prevalent in and they're and certain that are, it's not, isn't that interesting? Same with autism. Mm-hmm. There, there are certain things to that and the Hispanic community. That's it's a huge one actually. And it's crazy because they're not the, at the forefront. So it just blows my mind. But, um, that was something I took away from the conversation that I want to hold dear and remember and include a lot in my advocacy. Well, thank you, Mercedes. Thanks for hosting this conversation and thanks for being unafraid to speak up and say the things that a white lady like me needs to hear. I love my white ladies too. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, friend. I love white, black, brown. Okay. (laughs) It's all good. Yes. I love you, Mercedes. Okay, friends. Well, I just want to say I love you all and a special thank you to Josh Avis, our editor and Bausch leader, our producer. Also, if you like this episode, you can go ahead and share it with family and friends. Just hit share on the share button. (laughs) Do that. And also don't forget to subscribe. That's also a button. 
you can push. <laughs> and also follow us on social media at the lucky few pod. We're there. And if you want to find us, you can also reach out the lucky few podcast.com. All of our show notes are there. All the information that you need and any link that you may ever need, you're going to find on the lucky few podcast.com. All the things we talked about today. And just in case we haven't said it enough, listener, you are slaying it. Slaying we it. love you. We're cheering you on. We can't wait to be with you again next week. Thanks Woo-hoo. for listening, everybody. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Wait, you said that was cute. <laughs> it would be great if we harmonize next time. Next time. <laughs>